Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your cause. Good morning, Edwin. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Boy, I'm glad to hear that. Let's talk about the Psalms. I want to talk about Psalm 22 and the first half of it in the main, which is kind of dismal. Well, I tell you what, I think for a lot of people with text talk, this one's going to sound familiar. Well, it does. However, I think it's very extreme. It's 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 takes some of the psalms we've read in the past to the nth degree. And that's that's what I'm seeing. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. I'm in the English Standard Version today. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion." You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations." All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. This is almost like it's almost like two psalms, Edwin. The the uh, from the from the beginning of the depths to to the end the praise. It's just incredible. Well, it is so funny that you say it is almost two psalms, because 
guess what some of the scholars and <laughs> students and critics would say about this psalm. They, they might count it a little differently. They might say there's two psalms here. They, there's actually a school of thought that this is two psalms that were brought together sometime later. Yeah, it's, a, it's another one of those places, but I, I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I don't think there's any real reason to claim that other than just our shock that the beginning would be so dark right, and the end would be so light. Yeah, yeah. And yet, um, today I want to talk about the dark part Tomorrow, we can talk about the light part, but there's a real reason why there's a shift. Well, of course, and you know, you 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 have to, you have to start low if you're going to go high, right? Well, I think that's one of the really big points. I think I think what happens is we start in the darkness here because, by contrast, it makes the light even brighter. We understand that in all types of rhetoric. Yes. I mean, if if you want to get people to cry, you got to start with them smiling and laughing, <laughs> and if or, you want to get people, vice versa, that's right? exactly right. right. And so we understand there's structure here to these psalms. Yes, and I think that's what's going going on here. Here's where I want to begin, though, is it starts, I mean, it starts at a dark place. We've had we've had other psalms that are, why are you so far away? Why aren't you answering me? Yes, this, we have. This, this opening line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading in the uh, Dale Davis book on the Psalms that I referenced a couple of weeks ago, he he opened up his chapter on this Psalm about a story. I guess Cecil, Cecil B. DeMille had a movie entitled uh, Joan the Woman or something along those lines. And, and when it went before the ratings board, mm-hmm. basically what was said was, it's a great movie, except for one line. You've got this woman saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can't have that in the movie. Okay. And, and he's like, wait a minute, do you do you know who first said this? Doesn't matter. We can't have anything in the movie that would remotely act like God has ever forsaken anyone. Really? And so that shows the guttural reaction we have against this line. And even when I read it, I mean, honestly, when I was reading it a moment ago, I almost broke in and made the comment that it's hard for me to even read the line out loud because I feel like I'm saying something almost blasphemous. And I mean, that's how dark and despairing it is. Well, I was going to say despairing, certainly. I, I don't know that I feel blasphemy just because, you know, you read it here in the Psalms and Jesus said it. I know, but, I know. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what a what a picture, again, of despair and loneliness, and that's what's so heartbreaking about it. Let me be clear. I'm not saying it is blasphemous. I'm saying that when I read it, I feel like, oh, man, I am uttering it. But it's, it's obviously not. And you know what? Let's pause here and make the comment that— the, when we read the Psalms, Andrew, we are reading not necessarily, it's, it's, it's not God's communication to us, it's our communication to God, and yet it's God-inspired communication to God. God is letting us know, when you feel this, you can bring this to me. When we feel forsaken, when we feel feel alone, and we've seen some, we've seen some of that in some of the psalms we've read so far. I think you're absolutely right to say maybe not as stark because this one starts here, but several people in the scripture come to mind oh, yeah. who had times when they were isolated, and I'm I'm sure felt forsaken by God. Sure, you know, sure. Uh, well, one of the things I always try to point out, I know I'm in this weird position that there are these psalms that folks are saying you can't call them messianic. 
and I want to call them all messianic. So I'm always trying to see how they get to Jesus. Right. Then there's these psalms that everybody see are about Jesus. Everybody sees this one is about Jesus. Oh, yeah. We'll have that conversation later yeah. in the week. But I'm always saying, okay, okay, wait, let's back up. Let's back up a minute. Because I don't think David was writing this because in his mind, sometime hundreds of years in the future, somebody's going to feel like this and I need to record this so we'll know what's going on then. I think David felt like this. And I think there were other people, as you just pointed out, that felt like this. So who's in your mind that you're thinking that felt like this sometimes? Well, one of the—and we could talk about maybe some moments in David's life, I guess. But, I, you know, I, I think about how tough it would be for Joseph to be spending time in an Egyptian jail. Mm. And he and he was there. Again, here's a situation where what we see in Genesis is he had only done right things. He had only done the right thing by Potiphar and kept his hands away from Potiphar's wife and all that. And yet he finds himself in prison for it in Egypt. Well, yeah, especially when that started off with he's sold into slavery by his brothers. Yeah. Uh, He's sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he kind of seems to to rise to the Mm -hmm. top on Mm -hmm. that one as he gets to be this leading slave in this household of Potiphar. And then the wife tries to seduce him, and he doesn't go along with it. And so he now it's back to the bottom of right. the heap. And so when you, when you see that, I, I can see that see as that. fitting this. Dan- I, Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den? Okay. Okay, here's a fellow who—and and what people forget about Daniel is he is extremely aged. By that point. By this point in his life. I yeah. mean, this is an elderly man yeah. being taken, being, you know, betrayed by subordinates and, and other people in the kingdom and, you know, uh, thrown down into this pit and expected to be eaten by lions. And it's just very heartbreaking. I was going to say very literally surrounded by lions. Yes, very literally. Very literally surrounded by lions, which reminds me is one of the things I, I mean, I know why we've so quickly jumped to other people. And that is, is because it's actually hard for me to find places in David's life that seem to come to this level. Again, I know... Well, I don't know about this level, but do you see a time where he seemed forsaken? Well, you know... Or would have perceived himself to be forsaken? Okay, so the the time that I think most fits this, but I know I know he can be pushed back against, is the time when he had done the census. Okay. And God says, boom, that's it. Okay, now you're going to get punished, and here are your options and you know it's you've got years of famine or you've got months of of war or days of plague and david says put me in the hands of god because at least he's going to be merciful he entrusts himself to the hands of god and then he goes through this plague that is crazy intense mm-hmm. and while i don't know that david himself got the sickness this this description in verses 14 and 15 I have no doubt what they saw was people who looked like that. And so David is bringing that onto himself. So for me, uh, but I, but even I can come up with objections to that one. Are there any that you think of? Well, I, and now I, I fail to recall the enemy. I know it was in first Samuel 30, I guess it was with the Amalekites. Uh, when David has gone off to fight the Amalekites, uh, which was the right thing to go and and uh, serve God in that way. But while he's gone, uh, other forces come and attack his base camp, steal the wives, steal the loot and all this. And then David, uh, his men turn on him. Mm-hmm. Um, not not They okay. don't kill him on that occasion. So like, I, but yeah, he might have felt forsaken. Here he is doing right things. I'm a little hot on the mic, aren't I? <laughs> here, here, he is, here he is doing right things and serving God. And he might see his men as lions. He might see his men as strong oxen who they had been fighting for him, but now they've turned on him. Yeah. But again, that doesn't really match up with the, the physical 
pains, you know, yeah. being discussed here. And that, that's the problem. Any, any point in David's life, there's like, well, it could be this, but, ah, but this doesn't fit. So like, like uh, the one that I brought up, I know you could say, well, David knew exactly why he'd been forsaken. God told him why yeah, it was that, happening. Why you, would he say that? You don't necessarily see the enemies surrounding him that way because yeah. he had made his own mess. He had made his own mess. Um, you know, in this, in this one in First Samuel 30, and by the way, um, it was... He, he had gone to attack Ziklag, and oh, the Amalekites were the ones who was, came and took— okay. Yeah, sorry. So that's okay. Um, just wanted to clarify. But it, it's hard to see it coming to the fullness in David's life that we see in this psalm. It's, but as a psalmist, he has allowed the hyperbole, the poetic mm-hmm. flowery language that says, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. This is, this is where I am. I, I think of Elijah. Oh. I think of oh, Elijah. Yeah. After First Kings nineteen, yeah, after his victory on Mount Carmel, and then the next day it's Jezebel, and he was uh, Jezebel trying to kill him, and he was actually God, go ahead and kill me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Don't let Jezebel do it, God. You go ahead and do it. But I am, I am so despairing. I'd rather just die right now than continue on. That kind of fits this psalm. You know, the the thing to get across before we wrap up this conversation, though is that in this psalm, here are these feelings of being forsaken. Mm-hmm. And when we feel forsaken, this psalm shows, I can bring this to God. I know I can because Jesus did. Jesus brought this psalm as his prayer to God when he's on the cross. No, I, I love that. I appreciate that where it starts with is my God. And mm-hmm. even in the depths of this uh, betrayal and the pain and the suffering and everything else— he still calls upon God. He has not left God, not yeah. forsaken God. And his faith is so profound. When we look at verses 3 through 5, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. David is recognizing that what I'm going through in this moment is not the evidence of whether God is really out there. Mm-hmm. It's not the the defining nature of God. The, the God that I learned about growing up and the God who is the God of my people and this history that my people have had with him, that's God, right? I don't understand why that God is doing what he's doing right now, and I don't understand why he's allowing, allowing me to face what I'm facing right now. But that's not causing me to say he must not be out there, and that's not causing me to say he's so unjust that I'm not going to follow him. It's causing me to say I don't understand. Why are you doing this? That's what yeah. it's called. But but I'm still anchored in my faith. Mm-hmm. And I guess here's what I get out of this, and I hope I can convey this to anyone who's listening. There are difficult times. You know, we've had several psalms now that have been uplifting, upbeat, victorious, powerful, wonderful psalms of wonderful moments. Now we've got this first half that's dark and dismal. It's the same God, and I need to believe him. What what I'm going through in this moment is not the evidence of whether or not he's out there or not. I, really, either way. This is a great psalm that we're talking about this week. We are, we are going through a season right now, I think, um, you know, as, as a country and things we're going through where— People are asking why, and it's okay to ask why. Ask God why. Don't turn your back on God. Absolutely. Hey, we're so glad that uh, you've joined in the conversation today. Send us an email. Let us know what you're reading, what you're learning from the songs. Our psalms, our email is texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given us. We thank you that we might be able to open up your word and 
see, Father, the the faces of many in this psalm, many of your saints and loved ones who have served you, but have found themselves in difficult times, perhaps betrayed, perhaps beset by all types of trials and difficulties. And Father, we know that even as we walk with you in Christ, uh, Christ said these words, and we may have times when we say, why? God, we thank you that you hear that and have taught us in this psalm that it's okay to ask Lord, we pray that you would go with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.